this one? You go. Amen. Well, again, great message this morning, but, uh, you know, right afterward, my son-in-law reminded me, the pastor said something that's uh, hard to hear and disturbing. He said, our dogs aren't going to be in heaven. I have, I have some hope for you, though. I do. I, this is uh, Sister Kay. you got to listen to this one. See, Matthew chapter 15, verse 26, the Lord's going to talk to the woman about the dogs. And you remember, she comes to him for healing, but he says uh, that the word in the gospel is not for the dogs. She says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. There's an exception in heaven for dogs. I'm going to stick with that. Amen. They're going to be under the table waiting for us. 18 years ago, Sister Kay sold us a little Springer Spaniel. And if I say Arthur in front of Heidi, seriously, tears start falling. Don't worry. He'll be under the table eating the crumbs. Okay. <clears throat> Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Chapter 1, verse 18. I want to talk to you tonight about identifying the real from the fake. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the word this morning. Hello, we want to see you even more clearly. And God, it's, it's not about the sacrifices that we bring. It's our obedience to you. This afternoon, God, let us be obedient to your word and humble ourselves, God, to receive. And Lord, even when the word seems hard, as the disciples said to him once, he, you were speaking, God, to the people. And he said, if they don't eat of your flesh, drink of your blood, they could have no part of you. The disciples thought that was a hard word. But God, if there is a hard word, help us to be in a place to receive it, because you have the words of eternal life. This afternoon, God, help me to deliver what you put in my heart. Help us to receive something that's going to draw us close. It's going to help us, God, in our quest to obey you out of love and not just serve you from sacrifice or superficial. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There is a real and there is a fake. We see this in our world today, do we not? Have you heard the term of a poser? Have you heard the term what a poser is? The kids say that. Do you still say that? Where's the youth group? I don't know. I'm, I'm now almost a year removed from youth ministry. We call people posers when they're not the real thing. So in, in the work world, in the sports world, in the music world, you've got professionals and you've got poser. You've got real, you've got fake. In the household of faith, in, in Christendom, unfortunately, we see this all too evidently. We see Christianity that is lived in, in sincerity and in, in genuine heart, but we also see a move of Christendom that is fake. It's hypocritical. The, the Pharisees and the religious of that, the Lord was constantly calling them out for hypocrisy. And the gospel is for mankind. And we are not perfect people. And so the gospel goes out to men and women, and, and it's entrusted into our hands. And, and we are led by His Spirit. We're growing in faith. Thank God I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Amen? And I'm not the same person I'm going to be in 10 years. So when you look closely at anybody in this room, you look close enough, you'll see flaws. You'll see some things that aren't perfect, but you should see a genuine heart serving God. And we take a, a glance and a look and then a harder look at, at, at Christian denominationalism and faiths that are out there, we're going to see a lot of fake. How many have been to a church or a place where you saw a fake Christian? Everybody here? We all know what I'm talking about. I don't want to spend so much time tonight, though, only looking at others. 
I feel like there's places in our heart that aren't always real. I think there's some places within us that aren't always so genuine, that, that we go to great effort to cover up, that we go to great effort to hide. We go to great effort to make it seem like we are 100% authentic, and yet we ignore some very important things going on inside our heart. I know that from experience. wish I could tell you. I wish I could just stand up here and point to all of you and say, you need to do this. When you're raising kids and you're, like, correcting, I would say, you know what, you boys, you need to do this in your life. I'm looking in the mirror going, I wish I would have done that in my life. And I'm trying to tell my daughters, I wish I would. Pastor Ronnie was sharing me something last night. He says, man, Chris, I wish I would have done this earlier. I know exactly what that means. And so as we minister and we bring things, man, I understand I spent a long, hard look in the mirror at some areas. And so when we bring something like this, and at least when I do, I am not pointing a finger. I'm saying we. I'm saying I need to be here. And if it touches you, then I hope it helps. There are many following the Lord uh, when he was in his earthly ministry for the loaves and the fishes. And we say that term, it's because there were those seeking the signs and the miracle. As long as they were getting the, the grace, the forgiveness, the provision, the blessing, man, there were multitudes and crowds. They were following him everywhere. And it got so big, the Lord, just praying, the Lord had said to them, I got to thin this thing down. Because there's a lot of inauthentic people following us. And so he tells them, without explanation, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. We look back on that and we know what he means. But could you imagine being one of those people following? He didn't explain it. He offered no explanation. He simply looked at them and said, you're going to have to do this. He was on purpose to offend them. There's a cost to this thing that you do not understand is what he's telling them. You can't understand it. You won't understand it. Let me give it to you straight and without any explanation at all. And they, all of them left him, except the 12. And even they didn't understand it. They had to say, Lord, you have the words of eternal life, but we understand this. I hope this popping sound isn't too annoying. We're just going to keep on going. It is hard to identify the real from the fake. Amen. We'll get this one way or another. In 1 Samuel, the Lord's going to tell Samuel that, you know, we as people don't see the heart. We see the outside only. Where does God see? God sees in. God knows the heart. If we're going to understand our heart, it's not going to be for me looking outside me, not looking at, well, the sacrifices, Pastor, the things that I can do on the outside that does not justify or prove my obedience to the Lord. Yes, our faith is dead without works, but we're saved by grace. Absolutely, 100%, same coin, two sides to it. But in order to identify what's inside, I'm going to need the Lord's help. I'm going to need His truth. I'm going to need His Word. I'm going to need His Spirit. I can't just objectively look at things from the outside and always be right. Man, we heard that term, we can't judge a book by its cover. Have you ever fallen victim to that? Dustin and I are in sales. There are times, Dustin, we'll go to somebody that there's no way they have two dimes to rub together, two nickels to rub together. How are they going to buy our product? Only to find out they're a really good partner down the road. This has happened a few times. You look at somebody, you look at an account, and you say there's, there's no way they can buy from us, and they become something much greater than we thought. It is this way with man. We can't see it perfectly. We need the Lord's discernment. 
I want to identify myself. I want to identify the real in me and be absolutely sure. Doesn't Paul tell us to look in the mirror, behold ourselves, examine ourselves? What is he talking about examining ourselves if, we, if there's not a possibility for us to have some areas that need real correction? If there aren't some areas that need some real help of the Lord, why would he tell us this? Uh, Colt, go ahead and throw that picture up for me. I'm going to talk to you about the diamond and cubic zirconia. How many ever heard a message on the diamond and cubic zirconia? Some of you have. I am not a diamond expert, and so some of you ladies might correct me when I'm all done with this service. That's okay. Diamonds are your best friend, not the man's. Costs a lot. There's a principle, though, with these gemstones. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it, it sparked from, Carrie, you testified a few weeks ago on the, about Thanksgiving, and you mentioned the diamond. You talked about how looking at the different angles, you can see Jesus like the diamond. And I expect you to be an expert on diamonds, so afterward you just have to, oh, she's not an expert, okay. okay. But there's something about the Lord that when we compare him to a diamond, there's an analogy here. And I started to think about this, and, and so I went to gemsociety.org, because they must have all truth about diamonds, and I, and I grabbed some facts, and I began to look at this. The cubic zirconia is classified as a diamond simulant, a stone that looks similar to the natural, but it's made of a different synthetic material. So as we look up on the board, can you just tell with the naked eye which one's which? The further back that you get from these, the harder it is even to tell. When you take a look at the, the, the false from the real, and it's from a distance, you can't tell the difference at all. You have to get real close with cubic zirconia to see it. And the trained eye will start to see it even earlier. A trained eye who knows what to look for will notice right away the way that the shine is different. You'll notice a little bit of the brilliance, a little bit of the colors. A There's a little difference there, and if you're trained to it, you'll notice it right away. But to the untrained eye, we walk up on those two gemstones, there is no way we're going to know the difference with an untrained eye. They're just going to look the same. There's some pros and cons to cubic zirconia. Number one, it's very affordable. That's a good pro. Man, Sandy, are you good with that cubic zirconia? Because I could buy you a lot of jewelry if you're good with that. It's affordable. And we're talking one-tenth to one-twentieth the cost of a diamond. Some of you men say, hey, men, thank you, Russia, for designing this. The other pro, it looks like a diamond. It looks so much like a diamond. You're going you're gonna to pass tests in, in groups and settings. You're going to look like you've got beautiful jewelry on in most places because people aren't going to take a close look. It's very sparkly. Very, some of you young girls, that's cool, isn't it? Very sparkly. Your dad's going to afford to buy you young girls cubic zirconia. It's got a high reflective index. There's some light coming out of it. It's a perfect stone. Now, now watch this. It's flawless. It's synthetically made. There are no rough, jagged edges, pieces that are off. It's flawless on the outside. You don't have to worry about losing it. You don't have to worry about if, if it stays with you or doesn't. You can replace it for 1 15th to 1 20th the cost of a regular diamond. You don't need to insure it. It's easy. There's some cons. It doesn't last long. There's no value to it at all. Everybody say it's worthless. It gets scratched up. It gets used up. It gets cloudy. I'm going to think about 
our lives in Christ exactly to what this is. I began to think about some times in my life where my Christian faith, it got cloudy. It was easily scratched up. I was easily defeated, easily discouraged. Because instead of having the real down inside me, we're going to get to that in a second, I was settling for something not so real. I wanted the outside man to be accepted. I wanted the outside to be blessed. I wanted the loaves and the fishes, the healing and the prosperity more than I wanted what was real. I wanted on the outside to look the part. I want to be clean and polished and sparkling, but, and I want all the blessings, but I do not want to pay the cost. Because the diamond, the only negative you're going to find about a real diamond is it costs. But Brother Chris, salvation is free. It's a free gift. You bet it is. And not one of us could earn it or purchase it. But, but if we're going to follow the Lord, Pastor, it's going to be obedience. If we're going to follow Christ in this thing, it's going to cost me something. And the Lord said, count the cost. Before you follow him, young people, listen, it does cost you. But I have all my hopes and dreams. It's going to cost you. Yeah, but Chris, I want these things. It's going to cost. But the cubic zirconia tells you that no, it doesn't. You can have the same look the same field. It'll be respected in certain places. You'll look the part. It'll act the part. But the benefit, the blessing is it doesn't cost you a thing. And therefore, what you now have is worthless. What you have instead is of no value. The diamond lasts a lifetime. It is among the hardest, firmest longevity of any gemstone you can have. It is something that is it's hereditary. It can be handed down to generation after generation. The diamond that your grandmother or great-grandmother or great-great-great-grandparents had could still be in the family, still be just cleaned up a little bit and have its value even greater than what it was when it was purchased. Its performance in the light is unlike any other gemstone on this planet. It outperforms cubic zirconia, it's got so many patterns and beauty and light refraction that with the trained eye, you can see the light clearly. You know exactly what it's of. You can tell the diamond from the cubic zirconia, the real from the fake. It's a family heirloom. If we get the real Christ, if we pay the cost, if we commit to the Lord, if we say, God, not my will, pastor, so beautiful, this is the cost. It's the obedience. It isn't that I'm earning somehow this salvation, but I, my obedience is saying, not my will, but yours. And if that Christ begins to root down in my heart and the stone that I'm building on is that kind of diamond, I have something to hand down. I've got something for my girls. I've got something for my son-in-laws. I have something for my grandchildren to come. There's something of value. There is something real. But if I settle for the fake and I, and I just want the phony and I want all the exterior stuff, then when it comes time to evaluate this faith, when it comes time to see if what I'm made of is rock hard, is full of light, I'm going to be sadly disappointed. And this is the fate and, and this is what happens to many, many Christians in our day right now. When the fire gets turned up, when the persecution begins to happen, this cubic zirconia cannot withstand the heat. It cannot withstand the trial. 
And what's easy about it, it's so easily given up because it's not worth anything. And so I can go to a different church. I can go to another place. I can change into whoever I want to be with whatever crowd I'm around because it's just not worth anything. I don't have to have that strong faith in me. Young people, when you go to school, you can be whoever you want to be. When you get around people at sports or things, you just, it doesn't matter. There's no cost to this faith for you. It doesn't matter. It's easily transferred. And adults, we do this at work. We don't want to make waves. We don't want to cause issue. We don't want to speak out. That's not my place. That's not my job. And look, there's wisdom, okay? But I'm going to tell you something about having the real. That light can't help but shine. When you have the diamond and light refracts from that through your life, you can't help it. The real is in you. People are hurting, lost, and dying. And there's something more valuable down inside that you don't need to come out. It has to be shared. It has to be shown. I don't compromise for family, friends, work, situations, not because I want to rub it in their face or put people down. The real is in me. It has to shine out. And if I've got nothing but the fake, then it's easily clouded. It's easily hidden. In fact, it's easily given up and thrown away because it's worthless. Jesus is a multifaceted diamond. When the diamond gemstone cutter, when he cuts the gemstone, there's all these flat marks around. And you can kind of see all the little flat spots. And every time you turn that and you look at a facet, is each one of those flat pieces on that diamond. And every time I turn and look at one, it's going to shine with a new pattern. It's the same diamond. It's the same beauty. But that light is going to be a different pattern from every angle I look. It shines bright. It shines in color. It shows me all these different things as it's reflecting and refracting within itself. Patterns that you cannot exhaust. I was reading about a certain jeweler, and he was really a geek, Dustin, about jewelry. I mean, we get this way about football or you with fish or some people have different hobbies. You just get so into it that it excites you. And this guy couldn't believe the different angles. He said it was uncountable. Some gemstones, you couldn't even count how many different angles you could see, how many different patterns were there. I couldn't help but think of the Lord, Colossians 2, 3, speaking of Christ, in whom is hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. And every time you turn to look at Christ at another angle, it's, it's different, but it's the same. It, it, it's unique, and the same, at the same time, it's this powerful diamond, beautiful, strong, real. And I see another pattern. I see another angle. I have a different look. But if all you have inside is the fake, you'll never see it. You, you can't. Because when you look on the outside, all you see is this perfect exterior. You see the religious circles in that day were all legalists. And all they had was the cubic zirconia all they had was an outside that seemed flawless. It seemed perfect. It seemed like it was so smooth. Every angle was so right. And Jesus saw right through it all. You honor me with your lips, but the heart is far from me. The diamond is not taken root. It's not there. I begin to look back at the cross, Pastor. Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. I heard a man... Uh, one of our customers, Dustin, was at Wilson Chevrolet. It was Cody, the parts manager. He told me uh, in his faith. He said, you know, Chris, I hear all these people testify. 
and they testify of their past as if it was some conquest life. And we've heard this. We've heard testimonies of people spend five minutes talking about all the carousing and the partying and the wealth they had accumulated, all the women they had or all the things they did. It was amazing. And then they came to Jesus. Uh, now I just, you know, I'm here. and I'm saved. You know, I'm not going to hell. That's, that's good. Is that a testimony? He said, Chris, I hear these people in our church. He goes to a pretty big church and they'll testify this way. He goes, I was looking at my life. I said, the cross is where my life started. I hear these testimonies, and, and they're telling their life as if it began in the middle of their sin, and, and they got to tell their whole story to get to where Jesus finally saved them. He said, no. We remember where we came from. And I go, that's what Paul said exactly. But my life began at the cross. This is, not, this is the place where the old man dies, but it's the place where the new man is born again. The new creation. Why would we spend so much time looking behind the cross? i got to remember what he saved me from because i got to remember why he was put there. I know why my Lord went to that cross for me. I know why he died for me. But as I look back, that's why there's beauty there. So my life started at the cross. The diamond of our faith, the foundation, the rock, is Christ and him crucified. I don't stay on the cross. I don't stay at that place. I don't come in and out for forgiveness of sin every single day, every moment. But I know where it started. I know where that foundation is. And now, Sister Carrie, every time I look at that diamond, I don't just see forgiveness. It's there. But another facet's going to show me life. Another facet's going to show me joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. So many parts and pieces that are only there because the root and the rock diamond of the Lord is in. I look back at this cross, this pivotal point, and, and Pastor Ronnie got me thinking about this some time ago, and it made so much sense. He said, the cross of Christ is sometimes preached as a place of God's wrath. I remember when he, when he said this. The cross is, is oftentimes preached as a place of wrath. But really, it's the greatest picture of love we'll ever see. This is it. This is why Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. This is the beginning of love. And if we cloud that, if we cloud this part, it's like that cubic zirconia. It clouds so easy. It scratches so easy. I can't see the real. And if I forget this is the place of love, it's the beginning of life in Christ. I'm not going to know him. Right from the beginning, my relationship's going to be on the outside only. Right from the beginning, it's not going to be real. It's going to be fake. And from there... Everything I do in Christ will be fake. But we see this cross, and I'm going to give you a few things that I find as facets, beautiful angles. The first one is where Christ defeats sin. On the cross is where sin is defeated. Victory is had, not a loss. This is not, the Lord said, I lay my life down. No man takes it from me. That's a victory. If we look at the cross and we only see a loss, we see losing, we see death and destruction. Yes, there is some death and destruction happening. It's sin and the the Lord is putting sin under his feet. Victory on the cross. So if I look back now and I see it, I say, Lord, what you went through for me is amazing. But I see victory now. I'll just see death. Uh, there's no more sacrifice of bulls, goats, Turtle doves, that's over, that's gone. There's just one for all mankind. How amazing is that? 
up until this point, you had to have a lamb, a bull, a goat. You had to have turtle doves. You had to come every year. You had to come to that temple. You had to bring a sacrifice just to patch you up for another year, and it's all outside. The real shows up. The God who was everywhere showed up somewhere. And the diamond stands before us in the man, Christ Jesus, who will put himself on the cross once for all time. And it anchors our faith to say that's where the real starts. That's the anchor point. That's where my faith begins. Upon the resurrection, I turn that diamond a little and I see complete victory over death and grave. Eternal life is now had when the diamond is in you. You have eternal life. Come on, tell me if you're moving that diamond in the light and you see that come through, how beautiful is that? Come on, somebody say, hey man, eternal life's a good thing. Uh, Gordon Moat singing that song about heaven and mansions, and I, I liked it, but I'm thinking, we have an opportunity to live in the Lord right now. I get to see some of that right now. But man, there's a promise. There's a promise of everlasting life. He put Satan under his feet completely. There is no dominion, power, or authority of sin on this earth that can bring you down when the real is in you. But when it's fake, the thief comes first to steal. But that's so not valuable because your faith is not anchored in him. So that's nothing. Then to kill and then to destroy. And if it is cubic zirconia in your heart, you've got no chance. None. Because what you have is worthless. I wish I could go back to myself at 20 years old and say, you've got something worthless in your heart. Thank God you have a praying wife who has the real. Thank God you have a friend in, in Pastor Rodney who had the real, who would drive three and a half hours to come and share the gospel with me when I was walking headlong into sin and death. Thank God for a pastor and his wife who would pray for me as one of their sons who kept me in prayer, where God could still talk to me. Because what I had in my heart was cubic zirconia. I wanted the outside. I wanted the things. I did. I wanted, I wanted a father. I wanted to have prosperity. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be good. I didn't want to sin. I wanted to do right. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good father. I desired those things. But what I had put in my heart, I settled for the invaluable, worthless pile of junk. And when I needed the real, I had nothing to go on. Thank God for some people who had the real. Another facet on this diamond, Christ pays for our redemption with his own blood. I turn it and I realize he's making a payment uh, he's making a payment that I cannot afford. I could never buy this diamond. You ever seen somebody with a, with a rock on their hand that you're like, that is a house? You're wearing a house on your hand. What the Lord did for me, he's got a city. He, he owns a country. It costs so much, I could never pay it. The scripture says that you were bought with a price. A price we could not pay. A price so great. Why would we exchange that for something so invaluable as a fake diamond? Why in the world would I do that? Because the fake diamond is flawless on the outside, 
easy to buy, easy to get rid of, and there's no cost. And so I exchange what is so good and so valuable for nothing because I'm lazy, because I have selfish desires, because the lust of this flesh, and because of pride. And I will exchange that for the false. Christ is your liberator. I look at that diamond another from the cross, from the very outset of the cross, he brings freedom over bondage. Paul said, you are going to be a slave to one thing or another. You will be a slave to sin, unrighteousness, or you will be a slave to what's good and righteous in Christ. You will serve one or the other. The sooner you realize, man, I don't, I don't want to serve something so invaluable and worthless as a fake faith, as a fake diamond. I want the real. I want eternal life. I want freedom. I want the love of Christ in me. I want what's real. Jesus is God in our flesh, or God in, in flesh. He suffers on our behalf. I can see on the cross the suffering of the Lord. I see what he went through for this, how much it meant to him. I, I can see it. And now I know that whatever I'm going through, I have this diamond in me. Not someone who doesn't understand pain of life, pain of death, torture, being completely alone. Losing loved ones, having your best friends in the world walk away from you and sit there hung completely exposed on a cross, mocked, beaten in front of everybody, suffering in every possible way. I can look back at the cross and realize I serve a God who knows exactly what I'm going through and who knows exactly how to heal me. He knows exactly what to do in our if I don't have the real, I've got no shot. I've got no hope. There's nothing in me that can do that. I stay lost, invaluable, and worthless. The greatest commandment is, God is one, love Him. From a distance, there's many in this world who claim to love God. You guys see that? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Jesus out there. They love Jesus. It's cubic zirconia. Now, there's a lot of people that do love the Lord, and they're real. I'm not putting down every, every other. There's some great churches and great people. We have friends from all over, Pastor, that will come here and preach and speak, and they've got churches where they're at. But the mainstream, their love for Jesus, it's fake. It's outward. It's perfect. It's clear. It's clean until it starts to get a little bit cloudy. And they say things like tolerance is love. Taking the same words that a political and governmental authority full of corruption and a society full of corruption, they take the same buzzwords and the same issues and bring them into the church. But we love Jesus. I know all these people in our families and friends who love the Lord, but they're out sinning. They've got cubic zirconia. All these churches, they love Jesus, but they accept and receive every type of sin and perversion in their own church. They don't preach against it. They don't help with it. There's no praying about it. It's just come as you are, stay as you are. Jesus' blood covers your sin. Pastor Rodney, we read a book called The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Cheap grace. It's cubic zirconia. It's not valuable. There's no value. When grace is that cheap, when it costs you nothing, it's worthless. And this is the love of Christ that is, out, is being preached. It's in a lot of our songs. 
a lot of the worship songs is preaching about the love and love and love of Jesus. But it's not the real diamond. There's no cost to it. There's no recognition of the master who laid his life down. It, it's not about the cross. It's not about that life of, of sacrifice and commitment and loyalty. And now we have a chance to partake in that with him, to be partakers of his suffering, to take up our own cross and follow him. Obedience is not easy, but it's simple. But it's going to cost us something. But it's worth everything. <laughs> Come on, some of you men. When you buy things, is it not usually the rule you get what you pay for? You go buy things out there, and junk is junk. So you save your money a little bit and get something good, right? This happens all the time. I, there's certain things I just don't want. I don't want Walmart's branded tools. I just, I don't use a ton of them, but man, they're junk. Some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Why do we do this in our faith? We almost willingly settle for the cubic zirconia. We want it. Because if I can look perfect on the outside, nobody's going to judge me. I'm doing it all perfect on the outside. Everybody sees this picture and they cannot tell. Everything's right. Everything is, is true. But yet inside, I'm dying. It's getting cloudy in there. It's getting scratched up in there. Because I'm not giving it to Christ. I'm not obeying Him. I don't want Him. Upon closer examination, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. This love of Christ that's being touted and being just thrown about worthlessly. I'm sorry, but it is thrown about so recklessly, pun intended, and so worthlessly, we think God's love is just how you say it. It's just saying it. Some of you married guys, if you tell your wife you love her but never demonstrate it, how's that working out for you? Some of you guys married for a while. Well, I love you, Sandy. I love you very much. And then I treat her like garbage. Is that loving her? It's not. So we say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I go out and I trample on the blood of the Son of God. That's not love. On closer examination, when Jesus says, you must love the Lord, it's conditional with all your heart. Everything in my chest has got to prefer the Lord above all else. How do you know if you've got cubic zirconia in your life and not the real thing? You don't love Jesus with all. You might love the outside part. You might desire some of the blessings, the loaves and the fish, the healing, the mercy, the grace. That's all good. I want all of that. But brother, I don't want to give up some of the things in my heart. I got some areas I don't want to give him and I'm not going to love him with that. You've got the fake with all your soul. All your emotions must be attuned to Christ or towards Him. What do you see in yourself as you look closely? How do you love Him? When things are good? When things are not so good? Man, when you move across the country and start losing money, Sandy, it's pretty awesome. Have to learn how to love Him through that. You've done great. I'm still working on it. We're still working on it. But there's this emotional thing. Jesus says you must love him with all. Because if you don't, you're easily swayed. This is the problem. If I don't love him with all of my emotions, hey, when things are tough, I love the Lord. When I'm hurting, I love the Lord. When things are great, pastor, I love the Lord. When I'm walking in blessing, I love the Lord. In a trial, out of a trial. In the house of God, 
at work, at home. I love him with my emotions. Now, if you're looking for a perfect person, it's not here, and it's not expected, but the intention of our heart, the direction of our path, where we're going towards has got to be with full intention of Christ. Inside out, not outside somehow in. It's Christ in me, hope of glory. All my mind, do you talk with him? Do you want to know him more truly? Do you want to grow in knowledge? Do you want to take his opinions as yours? Let this mind, thank you, Pastor Ronnie, I think you were working on this some time ago, about the opinions of the Lord becoming mine. If I'm going to love him with all my mind, I have to change a little of my thought process, probably most of it, to try to line up with his. And where I'm wrong, I need to correct. If I'm unwilling to be challenged, if I am unwilling to change some of my thinking, if I am unwilling to move at all from where I'm at in the flesh to where he's at in spirit, then I do not have the real in me. We walk in this flesh by faith, not by sight. Christ in me, spirit. In my flesh, this is flesh. I've got to have this coupling up. Oh, I've got something to think. With all my strength, what effort do I make to love him? How inconvenient can it be sometimes to love the Lord? You ever thought about this? Because I have. There are times it is just a little too inconvenient to demonstrate my love for him. That sounds selfish, yet I've thought that way, and so have many of you. You just haven't said it out loud. I started saying it out loud to myself. How inconvenient was it for him to get on a cross and shed his blood? That wasn't the most convenient, easy thing to do. Love him with all your strength. What does that mean? Well, of course, what that means is I love him when things are easy. No. When inconveniences arise... How much do you love him? What effort do you have to just love, not prove something to the church, not prove something to some person in your life? You love Jesus. Where is this at? What strength are you doing to show him, to love him back? This isn't about hitting the, uh, pastor used to tell us, putting the gold star on the roster card at church. That's not it. It's not to prove something to us. You can get cubic zirconia on and it'll look perfect to us. We can't judge the heart. Sometimes we see evidence of things from the heart coming out. There's other times, Pastor, I just can't tell. Some people are have it so figured out on the outside, I can't see it. The Lord can. All your strength. What cost are we willing to pay? What cost are you willing to give? Where's your love and commitment to Christ from you? All right, let's finish up at Hebrews 4, 12. Very familiar. The Logos of God is alive and powerful, <clears throat> sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We have an expert gemstone cutter using the finest scalpel could be used. It's so good. It's so efficient. It separates the soul and the spirit. It separates the flesh. It, it shows us the thoughts and intents of our own heart. 
the logos of God is his logic and intent and reasoning. And you can get that from reading, from preaching, but you're going to have to seek the Lord for this. God, move in my heart. God, pierce and divide. And he's an expert gemstone cutter. And if you've got diamond in you, and every cut he makes might shave a little bit off, might cut a little bit out, but what's left behind is so beautiful. It's another spot in the pattern. You're going to see the Lord so much brighter, illuminated in your life, in your heart, in your mind. Other people are going to notice the same thing, that new creation coming out, and this is ever changing because we're always growing. And there's always spots and pieces we need changed. 1 John 3, 2 says, But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. If we see him, we'll be like him. He's the diamond. But what I got in here is him, and I want to look like that. Amen? Pastor.